0: The following resource is by CBC Mokopani. For more resources like this, check out our website at www.ChristBaptistMokopani.com. My dear friends, we're talking about love. Love, love, love. February February is long gone, all right? So not talking about the same kind of February, or love, but we get to continue talking about God's love. God's love, a sacrificial love, a love that extends just the boundaries of time and existence. Have you ever thought about it that way? God's love is outside of time. You know, He doesn't look into the future and decide to love us. His love is foreordained. But as a Christian, isn't, isn't it that you sometimes struggle to experience God's love? Listen, we are an emotional people, and we tend to relate our experiences with our emotions. If you have a wonderful experience at a restaurant, and it made you glad, you want to go back. You go to that same restaurant, you have a terrible experience, and it upsets you, guess what? You don't want to go back don't want to go back. And and for the formal, we might say, you know, the coffee was terrible, but man, the service is good. I'll go back. I just won't have coffee, but I'll go back. You go to the latter, you experience the food's good. Coffee is great, but the service is horrible. It's terrible. Well, well, the food's good. Ah, No, not going back there. We, we just relate these things, isn't it? Past relationships that's caused hurt and heartbreak. You just kind of want to write off such people. Whatever it is, we want to relate experience with emotion. And that's how we attach certain things. It could be a good thing. It can be a blessing. It can also be a curse. And I believe this is why love comes from outside of us. Love comes from outside of us. This morning we continue with part 2 on the assurance of God's love. And we'll focus from verse 13 to 21. But let me just say this. We briefly saw that our actions are determined by our identity. If I as a believer have the full assurance that God loves me, am I going to act like an obedient servant, knowing the love of God? For sure. For sure. So let me just summarize what we looked at last week, kind of just give, two weeks ago, just give context, and then we'll continue this morning. Now from verse 13, 1 John 4, John says the following. He says, by this, apologies, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, God so loved us we also ought to love one another no one has ever seen God if we love one another God abides in us and his love is perfected in us we briefly saw kind of just six truths, the first three that give us the assurance of God's love and, and really the first point was that God or love is from God. That's where the origin exists. God's nature is love. And in salvation this nature becomes part of us. It becomes part of who we are. Um, Again, love has its very origin and source in God. Therefore, if we love faithfully, love one another, that gives evidence that we are saved. Listen, if you're walking around the church, slandering and gossiping about everyone, we're all going to think you're not, a, you're not a believer. You're not saved. How can you speak about so much, how can you speak with so much hate to a fellow believer and say you love God? Secondly, from verse 9 and 10, John tells us that love is revealed in Jesus Christ. Listen, Says that we might live through Him, but God proves His own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is the revelation of God's love. God sends His Son. I mean, John 3:16. For God so loved the world. Yeah, I used to love just misquoting that verse. Didn't know any better. Till you experience the full love of God suddenly when you quote John 3:16, you go but this is for me the son dying a brutal death remember that but Jesus died on the cross, miraculous it was brutal it was horrifying yet he did that willingly thirdly what gives us the assurance of God's love for us is verse 11 and 12 That love is the Christian's duty. It is our work. It is our responsibility to love. John says if we love one another, we put God on display. We show Him off. John 13 verse 34 to 35, Jesus says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. That speaks volumes to the context, right? Jesus says, naturally, these people don't love each other. These Pharisees, these Sadducees, these Jews, these Gentiles, they don't love each other. And we can see that. But when you love one another, the world sees that you belong to me. That's amazing, isn't it? And so too with the world today. Man, the world is so unloving towards each other. It just is. Even within its divisions. The world makes divisions and in those divisions, they hate one another. A lot of us want to politically class the left and the right. I'm telling you, even in those divisions, there are people who hate each other. So Jesus says, but when you love one another, you show the world... That you belong to me. How does that work? Jesus is the embodiment of love. He put love firstly on display by giving himself. Therefore, we display his love through service. So, when we love one another, in summary, it is proof that God lives in us. Secondly, it shows that his love for us is already perfect. Are you with me? God's love for you, my dear Christian, is already perfect. Amen. All right, let's go. Let's pray and have tea. That's that's really that's the key point here. We doubt God's presence. We doubt His will for our lives. We doubt His love for us. But His word says all things work together for good. His word says that Romans five five. His love is perfected. How do we know this? He's given us the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't want to jump the gun here, but that's point number four. Love is embodied through the Holy Spirit. Verse 13 through 16. By this, we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He's given us His Spirit I love that word, abide. It means to live in, remain in. Powerful. Anyway, here it is. Love is embodied through the Holy Spirit. See, <laughs> bear with me. Is it easy to love one another? I thought I was going to just hear a resounding Amen. We can love. It's not easy loving each other. Siblings. Siblings have rivalries. But how about a husband and a wife? Go ask a husband and a wife. They are trialing times. Is it naturally easy to love others? No, it isn't. It isn't listen you can be a lovable person or like a likable person so it's easy for people to associate with you that's as far as it goes and it means it means that without God's help we can't love each other we can't and what makes it worse is that it's nearly impossible to love and pray for your enemy amen Who in this room right now is praying for the enemy? Hey? And Jesus taught us this, right? Matthew 5, verse 43 to 48. To love your enemy. Feed him. Give him drink. Listen. Loving our brothers and sisters, even in this church, I'm sure can be a real challenge at times. And therefore we need supernatural assistance we need something from outside of us so coming to these verses I hope you would have seen that there there's a needle and a thread there's a needle and a thread and that's the trinity woven through these verses I'll give you some hints look at verse 13 verse 13 puts the spirit on display Verse 14 to 15, the Son takes the center stage. And throughout these verses, the Father is present. People still want to say, but the Trinity is not in the Bible. Of course it is. In fact, it's this triune God who loves. Who loves us. Who pursues us in this love. And so friends, this shows us that love is certified proof God resides now in us. Love is the certified proof. His personal, his personal presence abides in us. Look at verse 13. It begins with a phrase, this is how we know. This is how we know. John uses this phrase maybe 10 times throughout the letter. And if you want someone to be assured of something you repeat it isn't it if you have children you know they don't listen well you tell them one you tell them two you tell them three you tell them four you tell them five all right now go and do this thing <clears throat> they still forget if we want to be assured we repeat it <clears throat> and john says god abides in you and you abide in him then he tells us again God abides in you, and you abide in Him. And we leave this place, and all of a sudden, tomorrow, a trial comes across our path, and we forget. God abides in you, and you abide in God. So we're overwhelmed. And we're tempted to say, but God, where are you? No, where are you? Where are you. His love is perfected. His presence is with you. I mean, through the gift of the Holy Spirit. That, that is supernatural. Now, How do we know that this mutual abiding in the Spirit is real? I mean, let's talk about that. That's very important. How do we know that we have been baptized by the Holy Spirit? How do we know that we have received the Holy Spirit? Verse 12. <laughs> Verse 12. It says, No one has ever seen God, yet if we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. How does that work? That's the miracle of the Holy Spirit. That's the miracle of the Holy Spirit. Let me jump the gun here. Go to verse 15 and 16. He says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. You see that? put it all together we know we abide in God and he abides in us here it is because number one he gave us his spirit as a grace gift at salvation as a gift of grace we receive the Holy Spirit number two how, how do we know that God abides in us number two we confess Jesus is the son of God you can't do that without the holy spirit you cannot confess you say but how am i saved the work of the holy spirit begins before you even realize it number three and we abide in god's love and his love abides in us that's the assurance that's the embodiment of the holy spirit working in and through us in God's perfect love you see God gave us his spirit and does he take his spirit away from us he said but you know, David said you know, do not remove your spirit from me David was in the old covenant so I ask you again does God take his spirit from us By no means, he cannot. He cannot. The Spirit now resides in us. Cannot take the Spirit away. Yeah, but but I sin. Can I still sin with the Holy Spirit living in me? 100%. 100%. You say, how? You do that. You do that. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit, yet we still sin. We grieve the Holy Spirit. We, we hush His voice. That's how we do it. Nevertheless, He gives us His Spirit and He will never take away His Spirit. His Spirit is now ours forevermore. We say, no take-backs. Remember as a kid? you Swap something, no take-backs. Oh, but it's broken. No take-backs. That's how it works. We experience this mutual indwelling between us and the Holy Spirit for an eternity. You get that? Meaning, even when we are glorified, that relationship doesn't stop. It continues. We continue to have this fellowship. Now, as we exp- just establish this reality, let me say that loving others won't just spring forth out of guilt. You don't love someone because you feel guilty that's not love love i would say comes out of gospel gladness let's kind of just make that term and just hashtag it gospel gladness because if we are content in the good news if we are content in the message of god's love that's how we love but when we're discontent when we're frustrated, man, it is so hard to love your neighbor. It comes from an expression of gratitude. <clears throat> now, look at verse 14 through 15. Verse 14 says, We have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son um, to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that the Son... That jesus is the son of god god abides in him and he in god i ask you again how do you know you have been given the holy spirit friends be patient with me it's not through speaking gibberish it's not through prophetic dreams it's not through experiencing strange, tingling feelings. Do you get that? The gift of tongues was never gibberish. The Greek word is glossolalia, meaning languages. My dear friends, here is how you know you've been given the Spirit. John says because you believe the father sent the son to be the savior of the world and you confess Jesus is the son of God that's how you know when you believe a truth amen but bear with me here we are and we say is that it is that it just believe a statement just that's what we need to do nothing else no supernatural gifts no gift of healing you my dear friends my heart pounds my heart pounds because listen to the phrase again he says because you believe that the father so God the father you believe this God the father sends the son this is a father son relationship, a perfect relationship, a relationship of perfect love. He sends this son to be the savior of the world. And you confess that this is him. That's how you are saved. And we go, but I want more. Is that it? Like, Jesus, you, you, you're my savior, you're my Lord, I, I worship you. I don't feel anything. I don't feel different. It doesn't feel moving. Huh. If only there was something more. Your friends, that's that's dangerous. That's so dangerous. That's not what God's word tells us. God's word tells us it's your belief in the gospel. That gives evidence to the ministry and the presence of the Holy Spirit. When you confess the gospel, guess what? The Holy Spirit is already working in your heart. That in itself is a miracle. These signs, the signs the early church had. Speaking in real tongues. Prophesying. Having dreams. The supernatural where people were healed. All those things... Gave testimony to this truth. The Holy Spirit has been given. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, God's love for you is perfect. These gifts are evidence of God's love, right? Now, 2,000 years later, we have the full revelation of God. We have this just a statement. We say, no, no, no. In Acts, they were doing all these things. Just by the way, read Acts chapter 19, and you'll come to the conclusion as well that no, not every Christian church experienced the gifts, even in the early church. You see, Paul visiting a church and the whole church speaking in tongues. Paul visits another church, and no one speaks in tongues. Paul leaves the church. And no one speaks in tongues. The gift was necessarily given to those who needed it. They all didn't have it. They all didn't have it. But what did they all have? And what do we have? The Holy Spirit. The evidence. The stamp of God's certified love. That's what we have. That's what we share Now listen, verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. How do you know you're a Christian? God has given his spirit. And he only gives his spirit to those who are his, to those who belong to him. Then we come to understand the eternal love of God is, is something the natural man, I think even Christians, as Christians we struggle to comprehend this. We're always looking, as I said in the beginning, we're always looking for something to associate with our emotions. We're always looking for an experience to associate God's love with this experience. My friends, you will miss God's love. If that's the pursuit you'll not experience his love because he's loving you you're ignoring it you want something else something needs to happen God speak to me I want to hear your voice we're so discontent with God's perfect love let me say that again so we can all hear it we are discontent with God's love, a perfected love, because we want to experience something else, we want to feel something else. My dear friends, when this truth that we confess God and He lives in us and His Spirit works in our hearts, when we come to this realization, Faith becomes sight. Faith becomes sight. We now see what we believe. We know what we believe. One commentator says. The more we love God. The more we understand the love of God. The more we understand his love. or The more we understand his love. The easier it is to trust him. And after all. When you know someone intimately and love him sincerely, you have no problem putting your confidence in him. The more we love God, the more we understand his love. The more we get to experience and obey his love by loving others. We're to love one another with this kind of love because love is the assurance of our salvation. Love is the assurance. Not gifts. Not visions. Love is the assurance of salvation. Paul does this whole list for us in 1 Corinthians 13. You can do all these things. Yet when you have no love, it means nothing. It means nothing. Listen friends, I'm not taking shots by mentioning these things. But it is important to talk about it. Now in this love we actually can have confidence for something that's very terrifying. Judgment Day. Judgment Day. A term taken out of context in Hollywood. Judgment Day. Love gives gives confidence for Judgment Day. Verse 17 through 18. I love this man. He goes, By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is so also we are in this world there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love don't worry these next two points go rather faster Judgment Day is something we all need to consider. And I don't think using Judgment Day as like a scare tactic to get people to you know repent and be saved. I don't think that's healthy. Because that's not how the, how the Holy Spirit works anyway. Judgment Day is real and it's coming. Listen, it is coming. Said, but when? Tomorrow? 29 May? Next year? 2050. 2050 is like a good number, isn't it? We don't know. We don't know. They asked Jesus. Jesus said, the Father knows. The Father knows. It's for Him to know. But here's the thing. No one else spoke more about judgment than Jesus, yet we want to say, don't judge. Jesus spoke so much about judgment. So much so that He gave the theology... On judgment day itself in fact Jesus coming was to help us prepare for this day and John says we cannot only be ready but we can be confident so not only as Christians can we be ready for this day but we can be confident in this day the day when judgment arrives we can raise our chin and say thus is the day of the Lord and not shrink away and that's con- comforting so how can we have confidence in this day John says we are as he is in the world what does that mean it can be confusing it means we are in Christ. We are abiding in Him. He is abiding in us. Therefore, we stand in relation to God and the world the same way Christ does. Think of it this way. The Father treats the Christian the same way He treats His Son, Jesus Christ. How does that work? Galatians tells us, We've been clothed with the righteousness of Christ therefore as believers we get to stand before God's throne with confidence just as Jesus does when Jesus took on the sin of the world listen it, theologically to the natural mind it doesn't make sense Jesus takes on sin right as a sinner you die. Where do you go? Come on, it's not a trick question. As a, where do sinners go when they die? Say it. <laughs> they go to hell. Okay. All right, we've said it. Do you feel better? Like you can say it. It's really fine. You can say it. It's not fine for sinners to go to hell, but we can say hell. So, help me. Jesus takes on the sin of the world. Yet, Jesus says, Today you will be with me in paradise. How in the world does that work? Let's stand and sing. It mystery all. And can it be? It's literally what the hymn says. Like We cannot fathom how these things work. But God justifies in Jesus Christ that the moment when Jesus dies, He is with the Father. Wow. The debt of sin has been taken care of. Jesus doesn't go to hell, wait for three days, arm wrestles Satan, comes back, resurrected and then goes to heaven. Jesus is glorified in his physical death. And he ascends to the Father. That's what it means to be in paradise. So, if that happens to Jesus, and John says, as He is, so also we are. Before God and in the world. That means when judgment day comes. Hallelujah. I can stand boldly. Because of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ. See, scare tactics don't work. Let's talk about the good news. But if we fear the day of judgment what does it tell us it gives evidence that we are not loving others as god intends it tells us there's something wrong there's something messed up i'm not saying you are messed up i'm saying there is something messed up maybe you don't understand the love of god that's why you stand in fear and judgment you say but i i I sin yeah but God says God abides in you and you abide in him so when judgment day comes you will be glorified this will be taken care of when, when God's love has reached its intended goal and the accomplished work perfect work is finalized there's no fear before God it's just pushed out of the way it's driven out the dread of punishment vanishes god doesn't punish his but in contrast those who live in fear the fear of future punishment they give evidence that something is wrong that god's perfect work of love has not done its work in your life that's why you dread judgment day see when, when, when we have this ongoing experience of loving others we won't fear punishment that same hymn by the way says no condemnation now I dread wow what a mystery what a mystery love never fears judgment love doesn't fear punishment so if you love in this perfected love there's no fear John says it's cast out you don't fear judgment you don't fear the return of Christ you long for it you long for Christ I had an interesting conversation with with a youth the other day I said, man, Lord, the Lord needs to come, and He needs to come now. And, and one of them responded and said, man, that's selfish. And I thought they're going to say, you know, they still want to get married and have children. I said, why is that selfish? He said, because so many people still need to hear the gospel. I was humbled. I was so humbled. So friends, how are we loving others? How does this love give us the confidence to stand before God? To know that we are covered by the righteousness of Christ. To know that fear has been dismissed. Man, we love because love is our confidence. Our boldness when we look to the future is in the love of God. And this brings us to a final assurance of God's love. At the end of the day, my dear friends, love is commanded verse 19 says the following we love because he first loved us if anyone says I love God and hates his brother he's a liar for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen and this commandment we have from him whoever loves God must also love love the logic by the way John is just so logical you you love something you have never seen but you don't love someone you've seen how does that work here's the reality of God's love He initiated it we love because He first loved us that's the key word eternal sovereign love has been granted to us so if you don't love your neighbor, you're a liar. You're a liar and it gives evidence that you actually don't love God either. You cannot claim to love the invisible Christ and not love Christ in his people. Because that's what it is. When you don't love a fellow brother or sister, you're saying, but I don't love Christ in you either. But how do you love Christ in, in yourself? Like, If you don't love your visible brother, then you can't be lo- loving the invisible God. But it's easy to deceive our, ourselves, right? We deceive ourselves th- into thinking, you know, I love God. I love God but then the fact is we don't when we hate those around us when we hate someone based on the color of their skin the language they speak the area they grow up in their background listen if you if you have bias against someone where is the love of God Where is the love of God? You say, okay, but you don't understand. I've been hurt physically. I've been treated a certain way. So I don't love so-and-so. I don't love people that look that way, that talk that way. Again, I have to say, I'm, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but then you haven't experienced the liberating perfect love of God because that love heals wounds that love is what brings Christian unity listen if that weren't true our our Bibles would never have said that at the end of the day every tribe nation and tongue will be around his throne that wouldn't have been true but it does say every tribe every tongue every nation so how do we love how do we love because love gives confidence in the day of judgment love gives confidence John's argument is this we cannot separate the two commandments love God, love man you can't divorce them You can't say, I love God, but I don't love so and so. Then you don't love God. But they're my enemy. You don't love God. Jesus says, Love your enemy. That's hard. Jesus doesn't say, Love your enemy is easy. He says, Love them. Love your spouse. Love your children. it's easier to say I love God I, I know why it's easy to say I love God because God is invisible and, and love for Him may be difficult to observe listen I can't see what you do behind closed doors in your home I, I can't see how you love God in private I can see how you love Him public in the church but hey we can all be fooled we can all be fooled that's what Jesus said if you love me you will keep my commandments his main commandment is this to love God to love one another if you don't practice this sacrificial committed love for others then you are saying I don't love God I don't love God I don't want to go to this church because so-and-so and so-and-so don't like the people. They don't want to love them. You don't love God. Luke 7 verse 47, Jesus puts, he says this. tells us that those who have been given much will love much. If you, if you don't love much, you haven't been forgiven much. Have you really experienced the forgiveness of your sin? In the end of the matter, is this loving God and loving people is a package deal. It's one thing. You cannot say, I'm going to stay home and worship God by myself. I'm not going to go to the church. The church is a place of hypocrites, sinners. It is. It is. If there weren't sinners and hypocrites, there'd be no church. We've been forgiven much. Jesus says, love God, love one another. Listen, I want to conclude by saying this. You love Jesus only as much as you love the person. As you love the person, you love the least. That's going to cause some examination. Who do you hate? Who do you despise? Because that's how much you love Jesus. He said, But it's so hard. I know why it's hard. We're not repenting, we're not casting our cares on the Lord, we're not trusting in Him and His perfect love. You so, oh, so the problem is me now. Yeah, the problem always been us. God initiates love. God gives us love. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And when I fail to love others, I need to seek God's forgiveness. I need to pray that He will help me truly love. And as our love for Jesus and our love for others go together I need to grow in my understanding and obedience of this love listen our gifts will pass away the gift of preachers and evangelists they will pass away all things will pass away but that which remains has been filled with love the only thing that's going to remain is those loved by Christ. My dear friends, let's, let's examine these six truths. It's convicting, but it's comforting. It's convicting because, yeah, we miss the mark. But it's comforting in that we can hit the mark through the Holy Spirit. We can hit the mark because love is from God, and God alone. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this message, and we thank you for this word. I pray that our hearts would be softened, our hearts would be so soft to realize our deep-seated hate to a fellow brother or sister. And I'm sure we're sitting here in this room, and Many of us can think of who that is or we can even draw up a list of names And we want to justify it so quickly by past action Yet Lord, I want to pray that we would not be justifying ourselves That we would not be justifying our hatred Instead I pray that we would be quick to confess this hate and instead trust that you can heal our hands and our heart, to effectively love those who you call us to love, that we would be a beacon of hope to our enemy and point them to true love. Jesus, we pray and ask this in your name. Amen. Friends, let's conclude.